You're listening to Solar Insiders, a fortnightly update on the ins and outs of the solar industry and what it means for consumers. With Renew Economy's editor, Giles Parkinson, and leading solar industry veteran, Nigel Morris. Solar Insiders is brought to you by Solar Analytics, suppliers of intelligent solar monitoring, and SunWiz, the creators of the powerful PV cell software. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Solar Insiders. My name is Giles Parkinson. I'm the editor of Renew Economy and one step off the grid and for good measure, thedriven.io. And joining me as usual is Solar Analytics man, Nigel Morris. <laughs> the Solar man? Analytics man, the a new man. definition. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's great. I, ironically, I've, I've had such a mad day. I'm still at my desk. So I'm podcasting from the desk. Uh, right on the edge of Chalmers Street here in Redfern. So there will undoubtedly, without a shadow of a doubt, be colourful comments from the passers-by on the footpath during the course of the event. Well, sorry, are you in the office or are you standing, sitting on the footpath? No, I'm on the office, but my desk is right by the footpath. I'm literally about three feet from Redfern Oval. So, um, you know. Really? Have you ever thought yeah. of asking the boss for an upgrade? <laughs> no, I love it here. It's great. Redfern's oh, fantastic. Okay. Well, I get to it. talk to passers. Look, I'm actually sitting at my desk for the first for the first time today. I've been sort of flying all over the place. Sort of rushed up to Brisbane, picked up a, a BMW i3s electric car, and then oh, roared back down to Ballina to pick up my daughter from the airport. And now I'm actually fitted in some work, sort of sitting in the front seat of the car, just typing away, banging away, and um, really. Um, and now I'm just staring at a full moon, which has just risen over um, over the bay, and it's just looking absolutely stunning. Oh. And as Beautiful. soon as this podcast is over, I've got to say, I'm going to be lighting a little fire out in the front garden, cracking over from a bottle of bubbles, and drinking that while I contemplate the best way to fry some barramundi that uh, oh. we've just bought. <laughs> I, I, want to, I want to tell you, Nigel, that life's tough. <laughs> no, well, I'm, I'm glad. You know, you've got to enjoy life, Giles. And, That's you know, right. It, yeah. It's tough in this industry sometimes, so you've got to take those good moments. Enjoy the you've moon. Got you've enjoy got to do. Enjoy the barra. You know, make the most of it. And look, um, it was that was great catching up with you this week, Nigel. That's it for this week's episode, and uh, I'd like to thank the sponsors. <laughs> Thanks, listeners. Just <laughs> <laughs> <like>. the kids. <laughs> should we do some real stuff? Should we do I think some we should. Stuff? Yes, kick it off, There's mate. Kick it off. Going on. Kick it off. There's been stuff going. Well, I'm, um, I'm, I'm going to jump actually to speaking of people and good stuff. I was up in uh, Townsville last week uh, along with a bunch of um, colleagues and uh, went to the SEA Queensland annual event. Um, been going for n- a number of years. Another great little industry event. The guys from guys and girls from SEA um, do an absolutely wonderful job. Um, small event, fifty people, but from uh, you know from from the bush. Uh, from around Townsville and Rocky and Mackay and and Cairns and um, yeah, terrific little event. Big focus this year on standards, which was really we had our product manager and a couple of our developers up there actually to get them in front of customers and hearing those kinds of issues. And it was really interesting hearing some from guys and girls who aren't normally at those events saying, "My goodness, those installers." have a staggering, staggering amount of standards and rules and regulations to comply with. How on earth do they do it? Mm-hmm. Um, and they and, thought this uh, was a good thing? <laughs> well, no. Actually, they found a massive amount of empathy and they just wondered. It's, it was bewildering how the standards and regulations constantly change and, you know, keeping up with them is, is almost a full-time job. Um, so it did highlight to them how how what a great job the installers do of actually trying to keep up with them and how tricky it is 
Look, it's interesting on that note, there's been a couple of stories, a couple of reports done by the Clean Energy Regulator. It's fascinating to see their um, statement they issued the other day. Sophie did a great write-up of it on One Step Off The Grid. Basically, they came up with their sort of their annual survey report, sort of talked about some of the substandard systems and some of the ones that might not be safe, etc., etc. And they got so frustrated with the way it was reported, particularly in the Murdoch media, that they actually issued another statement just sort of saying, hang on, let's just take a bit of a you know, um, a cold shower here or, or, or something or just, you know, a bex and a lie down. Um, when we say something is substandard, it might mean that it's, um, we're being really pedantic here and we might actually mean that there is, you know, a minor thing that is wrong and mm. um, because we've seen it, it has been fixed. And um, when we say that some things are potentially unsafe, it's like, you know, potentially, potentially unsafe, but once again, it's usually fixed. And they express a lot of frustration um, with the reporting you know, there's um, just all the yeah. vested interest. I mean, look, no, blown out, blown to- out of proportion uh, yeah. all over the joint in the media, which is which is, and you know, one of the coolest facts around this this little blow up that that blew over. Luckily, um, one of the coolest factors I saw about that was a statement somewhere uh, that kind of highlighted that you know, uh, while our safety record, the solar industry safety record, gets dragged through the media on a regular basis, if you actually go and try and find the safety record, for example, in the building or the construction industry, you can't get those facts. It was actually Pat Southwell from the CC who mentioned this at uh, SEA. Uh, and he said, we actually deliberately went out to try and find, to compare the performance and the non-compliance rate of our industry to, for example, the building or construction industry, and they don't report it. There are no numbers. Mm. Um, so, you know, we really do get scrutinised incredibly heavily. Look, and that's a good thing. And look, um, we're, we're also very um, we're also very hot on some of the shonks and some of the cowboys out there, and um, mm. and very disapproving of substandard um, installations. More pointed out um, every time we see it, but um, yeah, it's just a matter of perspective. And um, I think we've got to recognise that by and large, the industry is excellent, does a fantastic job, and there's some wonderful people out there. Um, sure are. Look, talking about wonderful people, we should actually just jump back. I don't think um, I don't think we've been on. Have we? No, we haven't been online since um, since the um, the August sellout. Solar Vic, no. The Solar Vic, and um, look, we kind of made a bit of a joke about that. You know, these tickets could go quicker than um, Bon Jovi. God, there you are, <laughs> dating myself. And I never bought a Bon Jovi ticket in my life. I'd like to say, um, but they did sell out like concert tickets, and it was quite ridiculous. Ninety minutes. Um, gratifying at least that um, the Premier's Department has finally admitted that change is probably needed, but they haven't actually told us what that change might be other than hinting that they may, as we suggested on this podcast a couple of on weeks ago... On this podcast, this very podcast. ...that, um, you know, maybe they just sort of front-load the... Um, Front load the um, the ratios or the um, or the what's the, what's the word um, the allocation the allocation front load the allocation a little bit and just um, you know bring it up to to levels and um, hopefully they may actually just you know sort of tighten that at the other end and tighten the eligibility mm. and that way you keep a competitive market going but you're also not sort of um, killing the regulated market which this is at the same time mm. and interesting i mean I've, we've all been watching uh with great interest uh on, for updates on what's going on in victoria and it seems to have stalled a bit and I, I i do note that the um the opposition party pushed for a parliamentary inquiry into the solar homes program and it was unsuccessful um between the government and um three key crossbenchers the animal justice party the reason party that's not very reasonable and the independents they voted against the inquiry which was really disappointing um so the opposition had a go at trying to get an inquiry into the program and it was it was bashed down by the government sadly so yes, um, gov- here we wait 
Yeah, well, that's right. Yeah, look, I guess one of the risks of this is that the politi- you know, the opposition obviously want want to make political capital out of it, but um, when they've had the opportunity, they haven't actually encouraged the solar industry. So you know, yeah, yeah. Um, they're not necessarily the friends that you want to have um, when you're in a yeah, in a tight situation because. Mm. Um, That'd be more like politics. But look, um, let's hope and, and let's keep on urging and we will certainly be keeping um, on the case. Um, let's hope that sometime in the next two weeks they will actually increase the allocation as they seem to be hinting. Um, I guess they've just got to, um, they've just got to, um, um, you know, find a way through and and yes. and just speaking about sort of completely balmy things um somehow um what's got through victoria parliament at least the upper house is this sort of push by some liberal democrats people to have an inquiry into nuclear power in victoria so god almighty you know um <laughs> no i'm not going to go there i'm just going to mention that and just leave it out there like a big turd sitting on the pavement and uh, we'll move on <laughs> Yeah, well, that's uh, one way to describe it, for sure. Um, while we're in Victoria, um, there's there was another story that was out last week about a... Whoops. Whoops. What's, what's happened to you? What are you what's happening, Nigel? Are you still with us? <laughs> Sorry, there we are. Sorry, I was just opening up the link and uh, it bombarded me. Um, another story from Victoria... Um, there's a development proposal in place for a 68,000 panel solar farm in Melbourne's southeast in Springvale, um, which is created with furor and quite a lot of debate, um, which is an interesting sort of conundrum. Um, you know, using it's using um, uh, what's classified as kind of waste land, but of course the people who live around that have enjoyed what's what effectively looks like bushland at the moment and uh, are most unhappy about the prospect of having. 68,000 solar panels thrown up in front of them. Um, the normal arguments are ensuing that it's about clean energy and everything else, but um, um, it's, a, it's another classic example of how tricky it can be to get good community or to get successful community engagement and, and how tricky that has been. Um, um, don't know where that one's at yet or whether it's going to get through, but at the moment there's a fairly big fight on to stop it. Look, it's interesting um, with these sort of um, opposition to solid developments. Um, look, it does it, do, it does tell us that if you are a developer of a solar farm, you do have to take your communications and your consultations with the local community properly. And some people just sort of barge in mm. and expect um, everyone to sort of welcome you with open arms, you know, without so much as a hello. Yes. And, you know, have this sort of, you know, this sort of arrogance about them. We sort of saw that with one of the initial solar farms in Canberra. Yep. Um, I remember that. That, just, that got moved simply because people just got pissed off. Yep. Um, and I think that's happened other times. Look, other times there's some particularly balmy reasons for opposing it. I think in one council in Victoria, they were worried about um, the solar farm um, boiling their cherries um, so um, and overheating their stone fruit. Um, which was scientifically rejected, but it still didn't sort of um, didn't, it didn't it didn't make them happy. So, um, is there anything is there anything particular here? I mean, often you get sort of you know um, visual impairment or you know um, oh that's right there was one up in New England, the Pistol Club the Pistol Club opposed the solar farm because they're worried about glare. Glare, yeah, glare's a glare's one that I've come across many times. Actually, you see that around airports. I don't know. But uh, why? How would how would you get glare from a solar farm from a Pistol Club? What because you're shooting at it? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> they don't work so well with bullet, hole, bullet holes in the middle of them. No, um, but don't. anyway, but sorry, yeah. so Springvale. Um, Springvale, look, we shouldn't be flipping about this because there may well be genuine concerns, but, um, yes, you know, um, I don't know whether there are genuine concerns um, or whether, um, 
you know, the um, the developer hasn't been too um, careful or, or what, but... Um yeah, I think it, it, it sort of smells like that um, to me, just going on what I've read. Um, and um, um, I'm just looking to see if yeah. I can find an article. That, yeah. well, well, don't just... Don't just assume if you're a developer that a community is going to come with you just because it's clean energy. You've got to, you've got to do better than that. Yeah, that's right. Here it is. It's a 44,000 hectare former landfill site. So it is actually an old tip. Um, and, um, you know, the protagonists are obviously going saying, you know, there's, there's jobs, there's 42,000 tonnes of you know, uh, carbon dioxide they're going to be avoided. It's a 27 megawatt plant. So it's pretty substantial. There's a battery storage area, some roads. Um, and it's, you know, gone through the EPA. Um, it's currently a vacant lot. Um, but um, a number of the adjoining neighbours are pretty unhappy about it. Um, so there's a number of community sessions. That actually, one that took place just a few days ago. Um, so it'll be, it'd be interesting to follow up on that one and, and see where it's mm. landed. They must have really liked the tip. Yeah, they must um, have really. <laughs> Speaking, speak, hey, speaking of um, speaking of interesting things, here's an interesting one that I picked up: agrivoltaics. Have you heard of agrivoltaics before, Giles? No, and I'm just wondering whether this is a trick question. But never no, mind, go on. No, so I picked this up. Um, there's actually been studies going on for quite a while about this, but uh, there was a recent a recent article published in uh, Nature magazine that actually showed a couple of really fascinating things. Number one. Farming land around the world, um, quite deliberately, uh, those clever farmers tend to pick spots that have got lots of sunshine because that's how their crops grow better. So um, a study was done that said, well, what? how much of all that farming land around the world would you need if you happen to throw solar panels on it, um, how much of that farming land would actually be used up to meet the world's energy needs? And the answer is about 1% of all global farming land. So not a huge proportion, but what they've actually been studying is can you actually put solar panels above crops? Not not stop doing cropping, but actually do your cropping and do solar at the same time. And what they found through a series of experiments um, that have been going on for a number of years, another recent study, was that if you get the solar panels about two metres up in the air above the crops, you can grow um, um, certain ground covers that will only be affected by a few percent. So you only get a, a lower yield by a few percent. Um, potatoes, broccoli and a few other crops, you might lose perhaps 15 or 20 percent of your yield um, however there were some uh, crops like lettuce that actually thrive in partial shade so in that case you can actually expect to get a slightly higher yield and of course where you lose income as a farmer by um, through lower yields you now have another revenue stream coming in from the um, energy and uh, you can also reduce evaporation rates a little bit by uh, introducing some shading so agrivoltaics who knew um, that's that's pretty amazing look I mean it's I'm, it I, was trying to think of, I was trying to think of some very clever joke about sort of having your greens and eating your greens at the same time but it didn't quite work but um, <laughs> it, that's it's it's interesting Interesting though that you know because renewables keep on getting panned for all you know because oh you got to put solar panels around the whole world and everything like that and as this study says well maybe one percent of farming land would be needed just to solarize the whole the whole planet um, right. if you're bound enough to think that just solar could do it but anyway but um, and, and look this this area is fascinating I've seen examples of this and there was actually a code that was released or developed in the UK uh, where they were looking at this same issue and they were trying to make sure that you didn't get um, monoculture.
cultures and they were looking really hard at the species that could be used and they actually found great examples where you could put photovoltaic plants in, you could reintroduce native wildflowers and um, put beehives all around the place. Um, so you can actually use them to help bees and get native um, wildflowers uh, back up and running. And I think as we progress and get more and more and more PV um, and, and, and there is competition for that land, I think looking for those symbiotic uses and um, it ma- makes a huge amount of sense. I'm trying to think if there's an analogy here for what we could do at the tip. I don't know that there is. We're no, I'm not too garbage. sure there is, but <laughs> I wanted to point out, I saw this lovely photo um, a couple of um, weeks ago. Um, it might have been put up by Wind Lab or something like that. It showed one of their wind turbines casting a shadow across the field and it was mm-hmm. a very, very hot day. And in the shadow were all the sheep. Ah, yes. I've and seen it was that very before. funny. So if yeah. you ever want to get sheep to form a very orderly queue without a dog, <laughs> <laughs> just get them out in a hot day and put a wind turbine up, and they all just up. stand in the shadow. It was very, very funny. Wow. Um, and, and look, I was halfway through another sort of comparison before you interrupted me, not rudely, but, you know, very happily and, and cheerfully. <laughs> but um, the 1% of all farming land needed for the world energy needs with yep. solar, that compares to the recent IPC. Oh, was it the IPC? No, no, it was another report that came out. Um, the IPCC report came out a couple of weeks ago, sort of talking about sort of the threat to, you know, do we have enough farm, you know, are we going to be able to sort of make enough food and the danger of all this little land clearing and stuff like that. Um Two-thirds, two-thirds of our farmland actually goes to either accommodating beef, um, um, meat, um, um, animals beef eating meat, yep. or um, which is just under half, and then about another one, um, one-third or another 20% or whatever it is, is actually crops grown to feed the animals. So... Um, yep. Interesting thing, next time, um, if any of you just sort of sitting down listening to this podcast eating a big lump of red meat, um, I think um, I think the kilos, the kilos needed, um, I don't have the figure in my head. Move on. Nigel, what's next? <laughs> um, no, you're right. And, and I think this whole issue of symbiosis, that's what we've got to keep looking at and finding ways for energy and um food cropping um and indeed you know access to land um they they all need to be balanced fairly speaking of which um um uh, interesting use uh, interesting lesson here's this week's interesting lesson so i got bailed up by one of our um uh solar analytics installers while i was up in sea and he said nige uh just wanted to let you know a great story about how your monitoring system helped identify a fault in a system we started getting pinged with messages my crew went out and um we're, we're looking around they couldn't find anything wrong on the roof all the solar panels are working fine um they checked there were two inverters they checked both inverters the green lights were on in both inverters so at a quick view both the inverters were working there was power coming out but one of them was underproducing terribly but but it was on. It was the green light was on, and they, they said we were mystified because we had low performance. And um, so after walking around, 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 trying to find it for a while, they they noticed there was a bit of a noise coming out of one of the inverters, and they went and had a bit of a closer look. Uh, and and re- when they touched it, they realised it was running really hot, and they went, "Oh, the fan's not running." And they popped the lid off, and lo and behold, jammed in the fan was a poor little green tree frog. He'd managed to get inside the case. 
um, got inside the fan and it stopped the fan working. Uh, so the inverter was still working, but of course what was happening is as it got hotter and hotter and hotter, it would just limit its performance. So it was still working. If you were relying on you know some signal from the inverter to say, I've stopped working, you weren't going to get it because it was still working, um, but it was actually thermally limiting itself. So... Um, um, sad story for the green tree frog, good story for the customer, good story for the reseller um, because we were able to detect that fault even though so even though the system was still working, it was low performance that we managed to find. I'm guessing what you're saying then is that the green tree frog didn't make it? He didn't make it, I'm sad to say. It's <laughs> oh, pretty sad, sad news. It's, it's pretty sad. It is pretty sad. I remember... <laughs> Many years ago, there was a big hoo-ha and a lot of the uh, inverters that we used to sell up in the North Queensland had to be specially meshed to keep geckos out. Geckos uh, have a habit of climbing inside electronics and shorting themselves out on fets, which makes a terrible mess and tends to blow things up. But um, green tree fogs. Hmm. Oh, yeah. Hey, um, it was interesting to see um, someone went to jail the other day, four and a half years. Oh, um, my goodness, yes. Dodgy, 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 dodgy installer. Well, not really installer, more, more of a plumber, but you probably call him an installer. Um, solar heat pumps and um, mm. just basically making them up. and, um, and Yeah, not installing and, um, anything, just making it all up. Anything. Yes, um, extraordinary number, which I can't quite remember either. Um, but, um, yeah, thrown away for four and a half years. So, um I thought be that was warned. really, yeah, be warned indeed. And and that's not the first jail term uh, that the clean energy regulator have successfully prosecuted either, I noted in that story. Um, there have been several now. Um, and they are increasingly um, chasing very, very hard and keeping a close eye to make sure that no fraudulent behaviour is out there. It's taken a long time. It's a long process. It took them several years to, to prosecute this guy and actually get him in jail. But it just shows you that... You know, enforcement is happening. Um, if you try and defraud the government, um, they will catch you. Um, there's plenty of money to be made in this industry and there's no need for fraud. Quite right. Um, some panel makers just got delisted. Yeah, so this is um, this is the one sort of, uh, it's a bit of crap solar, it's a bit of good solar, depending on your um, perspective. But um, uh, China Sunergy, otherwise known as CSUN, who've been, been around in Australia for quite a while, actually, um, have been a very, very substantial manufacturer of PV modules um, around the world and, and, and were quite big in Australia various times over the years, are now delisted uh, as of the 6th of August. Now, what's interesting in this case is, is two things. One, their entire range has been delisted. And I do know from the grapevine that a number of companies were trying to offload these panels uh, in the previous um, uh, preceding uh, month or so at extraordinarily low prices, trying to clear their warehouses of this product. And a number of people got caught with them and then have suddenly found out that they can no longer get rebates on them or get STCs on them because they are no longer listed as approved products. Um, so, you know, it, it kind of shows that there are risks out there and you've got to be careful uh, and make sure that you have good contracts in place so that if you are purchasing equipment, um, that the liabilities and responsibilities for making sure that it is suitably approved are clear. Um, and secondly, what was, the other thing that was really interesting in this was it, they weren't delisted because um, they hadn't met um, you know, an internet, an IEC standard, or um, um, they'd simply run out of, um, you know, run out of uh, their, their time frame had run out, or anything like that. The reason they were listed was because when they checked the 
materials that were used to construct those panels, they discovered that they were different. It was actually the cells and the connectors. Um, they had actually substituted those materials. They weren't using the materials that they described would be would be in the product and that is a um, a blatant breach of the quality guidelines and of the IC standards if you when you submit a panel you've got to say exactly what materials you're using the brand and the components and everything else and you get it tested and then you submit it and you can't substitute materials you cannot change them um, without re uh, um, certifying that product and that was what they got busted for and as a consequence they've um, delisted the entire range of CSUN products in Australia. Be gone with them. Be gone. Be, be gone. Be gone. Be gone. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. Time to remind people of our sponsors, Solar Analytics and uh, PV Cell from SunWiz. Thank you for your ongoing sponsorship, of course. Look, I'm not too sure whether you've got a list of other things to talk about here, Nitra, so we oh, might I've... just open it to innuendo and hearsay. <laughs> No, I do. I do. I've got another one. I didn't oh, manage to do. get it. Oh, no, I've got, I got stuff. Don't you worry. Um, You've got stuff. I, I, well, I'm going to flip us over to electric um, two-wheelers. Surprise, surprise. Um, be careful, I've got some... I'll start talking about my, uh, my electric four-wheelers very soon if you do that. Well, you, why don't you finish off the evening with that? It might be moderately interesting compared to this, which is fascinating. So, uh, electric mopeds, motorcycles, and quadricycles in Europe... Uh, in the first six months of 2019, 35,810 units were sold, which is a 70% increase uh, compared to the year before. So that in itself is um, really, really interesting. Um, what we also learnt from that was that um, this year out of that uh, 35,000 um, units that were sold, um, 28,500 of them were mopeds. So the electric scooter or moped market um, is booming um, in Europe, absolutely booming. And we're seeing that here in Australia as well. And in fact, I bet the ratio is about the same. There's a lot of cheap scooters starting to appear in, in, um, in Australia now. Um, motorcycles, 5,812 units, which is, uh, which is great to see for two reasons. One, it's about the same number. I did, um, did some forecasts about the annual volume of electric motorcycles around the world. So I now have another gauge, and, and that's probably about right given where I was, um, where I was looking um, the year before. And quadricycles, 1,421 electric quadricycles um, sold in Europe, believe it or not. So great growth in the, in the two-wheel market in Europe. Um, great little set of statistics that I haven't seen before, specifically looking at Europe. Um, Europe and America particularly are really good at reporting these numbers in details. It doesn't include everything, but it does include the vast majority of them across about 18 brands. So fascinating stuff. Bloody interesting. Very, very interesting. Well, um, moving from two wheels to four wheels, um, I had my first drive of the Tesla Model 3. I was one of the lucky people with the very first test drives in Australia. We all went Ooh. up to a racetrack. Um, well, what racetrack? It was a private track north of Sydney, um, driven by someone who... Um, the story went that someone lost their licence, and so they still wanted to drive, so they built their own track. They had a bit of land, and um, they obviously loved corners. So um, I want to have heard with all the track. auto journalists. 
Four, five kilometers. This person loves corners. I don't like corners that much. I mean, and there was just so many bloody corners. I just want to have a nice leisurely drive around this thing. We're told we're going to have yeah. four laps, five kilometer circuit. And all these auto journalists, I mean, God almighty, they were just... Um, flogging it senseless? I don't know. They're, they're absolutely flogging it senseless. You know, hitting up to 200 k's in the back straight, which I reckon was barely a kilometre, if that. So they're obviously sort of completely delighted by the fact that this car goes from naught to 103.5 seconds. And they're obviously yes. trying to work out how quickly it goes from 100 to naught. And um, in some cases <laughs> from 200 to 20 as they're going, you know... <laughs> crashing into the hairpins oh god they had an ambulance actually sitting there waiting just waiting for one of these guys to completely lose it and um, <laughs> um i just want to let so you drive you had, so a, you, you had a lap what what did you think you've driven you've driven well, a number had, of teslas now i have i had look i drove four laps after the second lap i was actually waved down and told to sort of go to the side because i was going too slow so <laughs> <laughs> just sort of oh god i felt like such an odd man um Oh, look, they're bloody fantastic. They're unbelievable. I mean, the, the acceleration in them is... I mean, look, it's more than you'd ever need or want on, on normal driving. Um, it's just crazy. Um, you know, they're smaller and lighter than the Model S and the Model X. Um, Did it feel just, it like the when you were driving? Did it, it feel smaller and lighter? It did actually feel smaller and lighter. Um hmm. But it handles really well because it's got that low centre of gravity. So, mm. you know, look, I'm not um, more go karty greatest driver. Um, no, 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 it wasn't, that, it wasn't like that. But um, look, I'm actually looking forward. I'm actually going down to Sydney next week and I'm going to have one for the uh, best part of a week. So I'm just going to drive it normally, going to go down you know to Canberra, come do. back you can up come, again. Come down, well, you can get a free charge here at uh, Solar Analytics Head Office. We've got a free electric vehicle charger here. Oh, well, I might have to pop in. You have, have to pop to, in and say hello. You have to pop in. Yeah, so I'll, d- I'll definitely do that. So, um, so I'm looking forward to actually having normal driving conditions. Mm. Um, look, I'm, I'm I'm expecting it to be wonderful. But just look in sheer performance. And that, that I mean, this is obviously what this was designed to do. You know, just you know, accelerate as quick as you can, go around a f- corner as fast as you can. You know, sprint down the straight, blah blah blah, um, and see how you go. And yeah. um, they all seem to love it. So, um, um, good. How did yeah, it feel? So, um, How did it feel? Did it, it, like, it's a very different interior. It's a lot more stark compared to some of the other um, EVs that I've seen, and I've only had a quick squeeze inside it. Did, did it, did it feel weird because it's so stark? Somebody asked me about that, and I said, look, I was so worried about looking out the front and the windscreen and the rear view mirror that all these other guys hurt me behind me that I have actually got to sit in there much. But, um, I thought it would be – I remember first seeing it and first sitting in the um, – in the um, in, in in the showroom, just going, oh, this is a bit weird. Yeah, but I kind of liked it. You, I, you, look, it's kind of like electric. There's nothing to distract you, is there? Get, um, There's no distraction. Not really. No, no, no. Like you've got everything you need right in front of you. Um, you know, there's there's um, two stalks, but there's no other buttons. And there's no other nothing. It's all on the screen. Mm. Um, and I found it. I found it quite good. I mean, look, I'll, I'll let you know after. I reckon. I reckon I'll find out. After this, um, after this new week of driving, um, yeah. So yeah. And do, um, do drop because do drop in because I, I, I want to flog it senseless. You want to flog it senseless? Yeah, around Redfern, that'll work. <laughs> We're right next to the park. It's a really nice run. Oh, we'll go to the park. That'll, that'll, that'll work too. Fantastic. Mate, look, I'm going to wrap this up because um, I've got a fire to light, a moon to look at, um, oh, yeah. some champagne to drink, and some fish to fry. Yeah, so, well, you um, get on with that, mate. Get on with that. I get on with it, um, Nigel. Great to catch up again. You too, um, mate. Um, thanks to all our listeners, and uh, we'll be and back our sponsors. In two weeks. 
And our sponsors, I'll thank them once, but um, let's go again. Solar Analytics and PV Cell from Sunwiz. Excellent. So we do support, we, we do thank you. Um, and our producer, Anne. Um, oh, we couldn't do it without Anne. And, um, well, we couldn't actually. Um, um, I've got no idea how to, how to do it, but there you go. Um, <laughs> I think we've said enough, Nigel. That's all, and bye for now. Solar Insiders was brought to you by Solar Analytics, designers and suppliers of smart solar monitoring. Visit solaranalytics.com.au, get empowered and make the most of your home energy. Solar Insiders was also brought to you by SunWiz, the creators of PV Cell software, powerful technology for solar sales and design. With free high-definition rooftop imagery in every PV Cell plan, retailers can stay ahead of the competition. Visit sunwiz.com.au, Australia's leading solar software.